I'm going to owe you this much, so here is the value of that thing. I think it's just hard asking people to give you money. I think that whole process is kind of dumb. There should be a better way. Positive feedback loop. Welcome to the Positive Feedback Loop with your crazy hosts. This is Ray, and we have Luis on the line. Hello. And Stephanie. Hi, everyone. So as you guys know, this is the Positive Feedback Loop. We talk about interesting ideas, and we often disagree with the topics we discuss. So we hope you enjoy this episode, and it's actually a really important episode. It's about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency and it's used as a worldwide payment system invented in 2009, early 2009, by a person whom we don't really know, which, who is named Satoshi Nakamoto. And whether or not you've heard of Bitcoin or not, it's gaining popularity. The price of Bitcoin is, um, as we speak, probably around thirteen dollars or $14,000 when it first started out. Eight years ago, it was worth like pennies. It was almost worth nothing. So how can something worth almost nothing be worth $14,000 uh, over eight years? Isn't that, how is that possible? What's the purpose? Why do we even have this Bitcoin thing? And is it going to survive? And we're going to try to tackle this question. So guys, do you remember when the first time you heard of Bitcoin actually was? Uh, that's a good question. I actually don't remember. I know it was must have been, I don't know, 2000. 13, 14, maybe? I'd heard about cryptocurrencies, but I didn't have any idea what they were. I was always wary of it because the idea of any of digital currencies, which could be potentially hacked, always worried me, as opposed to a piece of paper. But I became a little bit less wary as time went on, and I saw that the encryption was pretty sturdy. It's funny to me that you say wary because I've been reading a book called The Age of Cryptocurrency. It's by Paul Vigna and Michael Casey. And uh, they talk about the steps that you go through. You start out with disgust like or, or disdain. Like, oh, this digital currency. What is that? It's not even real. There's new fangled things that kids yeah. have going on these <laughs> And then... Back in my day, money was real money. It was conch shells. <laughs> and you throw well, them at each other. Yeah, it's... It, you know, it's... That really was what currency was. It was the items, not just, I mean, before we had dollar bills, we had, you know, metal and items, shells and things. And then uh, the next step is skepticism. So, okay, this is a real thing, but I don't truly trust it. It's all digital. How does, how is this possible? And then the next step is, they say, is curiosity. Then you get over your skepticism and you think, I want to learn more. So you're reading everywhere. You're trying to figure out how does it work? Why is it so popular? And then finally you have the crystallization. They call it the light bulb stage, basically, crystallization stage, where you get it. You're like, oh, I, I get how this works. I get why people would be using it. And then the last step is acceptance. You kind of have described your your movement through those stages a little bit, so I thought I'd bring that I th up. I think you missed funny. one stage, and it's called bankruptcy, which comes <laughs> after you put all your money into cryptocurrency and go broke. <laughs> okay, so obviously you're still so, in the skepticism stage. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah, I don't think you're very uh, – you're not past the crystallization stage, I think. What I, stage are you in, Stephanie? You know, I don't know. 
I, I think I'm bouncing around because I'm, I'm in this, I'm in the curiosity stage. I've been reading a lot. Obviously, I'm reading this book about it, but researching it and and thinking about the kind of from an information systems and computer science perspective, how it works. Uh, I was reading a paper actually by some researchers at Princeton. They talk about the economics of Bitcoin mining and the presence of adversaries. And they actually say that this the Bitcoin currency could crash, that it could have some vulnerabilities that makes it susceptible. They do talk about how a motivated adversary can be able to disrupt the Bitcoin system and crash the currency. So, right. Yeah. So one of the motivations to trying to crash the system would would be to really just not let it take over a current system. So any adversary that's trying to do that probably has invested interest in a different type of monetary policy or a mon- like some kind of other s- financial system that uh, would be truly broken if Bitcoin were to be a more popular option. Okay, so let's think about how we transact nowadays with our credit cards, debit cards, gift cards, ordering online through PayPal and Venmo. All these applications and features, I mean, it's not technically digital currency because the currency is it's actually backed by the government. But the actual process of you purchasing or transacting is digital. So the process is basically digital. And you trust that, don't you? Are you talking about the, the safety of doing a digital transaction? Because there are plenty of digital transactions that I wouldn't trust. But I might trust a, bit, a bit current Bitcoin one a little bit more. I think there's two levels that Luis that you're bringing up, which is number one is digital currency or, or currency that is passed through digital forms, uh, so online banking and such. And then the other layer, though, is the transaction itself with the vendor, and those are two levels of trust. I may trust my bank and trust using my credit card online in general through my bank, but. I may not trust all vendors because they have different security protocols on their websites. That's basically what I I get from what you're saying, Luis, and what yeah, I, I, I mean, see. The whole appeal of cryptocurrency is the fact that it is very difficult to steal apart from just robbing your wallet, which could happen. Someone could rob your digital wallet the same way they could steal from your regular wallet if they steal your wallet. But... Well, not only that, it's also it's also impossible to forge um, new yes, money as is, well. It, so, uh, yes, yeah. uh, it is much more difficult to uh, obtain by illegal means, although it does make illegal transactions much easier, which was a big problem and still is a big problem with cryptocurrencies. In right. So uh, let me just challenge you there. So yeah. the idea of cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin being um, used by bad actors to transact, to do illegal things. It's true. It does exist. However, one thing to note is that Bitcoin is a public ledger. So basically, every time there is a transaction on the Bitcoin network, each transaction is recorded with a time, a date, the sender, the receiver, and the amount. And the sender is not identified by a name or a company, it's actually just identified by a series of numbers and letters in like a random order. And so the addresses are not names or 
organization. So you don't know technically who they are. However, it's very possible to backtrack addresses and figure out where the origin of certain financial money supply came from. So you can look through, for example, Coinbase, which is a exchange in, I think it's from, yeah, they're in California. And they allow people to put in their bank account, buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and they, you know, you can use your regular US dollar to buy Bitcoins. And then Coinbase, technically speaking, can record what your public address was that you sent your, that you received Bitcoin with. And then from then on, they can technically track any transaction that's happened out of that public address. So they might not know where you're sending it to because the sending of the address you send it to, the receiver will not be immediately identified by a name or organization, but only by this random series of numbers and letters. Um, so when you say it's easy for people to do illegal things, it's not easy actually, but it's possible. That's how I would frame it. Because I think if you want to call it easy, it's probably still not easy for people to buy Bitcoin at all. So, and that's just buying it from like Coinbase. It's still kind of challenging and they're having trouble keeping up with their network because of some such insane demand. So I just wanted to make sure that, that our audience realized it's not like some completely illegal network that allows people to do just terrible things. It's actually being used for lots of good things too. For example, it allows people in different countries that don't actually have bank accounts to be able to own their own money without having to rely on a government or a bank to do that action for them. Because, you know, we've seen there are a lot of corrupt nations in the in this world. Venezuela is, is one that comes to mind. When there was a Greece, a, a crisis in Greece, you saw the price of Bitcoin go, go up due to demand. Bitcoin ATMs are scattered throughout the world, including the United States. You know, these are just some of the things that the Bitcoin community has built over only eight years. And you think that's, would you say that's a long time for a currency to evolve or a short time? Eight years. It seems very that's short to me. Extremely short time, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it took so many years just to get from having gold coins and silver, like the actual value of something instead of a, a representation of it. And now we have dollar bills that are just a piece of paper and now representing the currency. And now we you, you know, do digital transactions where data being passed ends up taking money out of an account or putting it in there. But I do want to talk to a little bit more to that anonymity that you talk about. A lot of people do focus on the illegal aspects, the illegal trade or the legal purchases and sales that happen with Bitcoin because it, the seller and the receiver can both be anonymous. Uh, but I think what you said, Ray, what you introduced, the idea of the unbanked, the people that are in countries or in situations where they do not have a bank account, these are the people who do possibly have access to mobile phones, which is a, a prevalent technology in developing countries where they may not have access to a computer and they may not have access to banks, but they do to some type of mobile phone that can access a Bitcoin wallet. What's really interesting is 
in many countries, women especially are marginalized, uh, cannot access, have their own bank accounts or, or manage their own money. Even if they make money, the, the head of household may be a man who manages that money. And Bitcoin has really flipped that on its head. In the age of cryptocurrency, the authors talk about a story of a, a woman who is in Afghanistan and she is able to make her own money and receive it as Bitcoin. And because she's managing a Bitcoin wallet, it is hers to own and to manage. And and she as a woman actually has power over that, which would have been less possible for her in the past. So it has empowered an entire population of women. You know, in the U.S., women, many women manage their own bank accounts. But in other countries, it's it's not as prevalent. You would think that managing a Bitcoin wallet would be moot. Those that are kind of still in the skepticism phase or the disdain phase, which is, well, you may have Bitcoin, but where can you spend it? And now we have over 100,000 merchants that accept Bitcoin, uh, many of them you know, around the world. But there are a few places where they actually give you, and this is Bitlander is the company they mention, but the company will give gift cards that you can buy with Bitcoin that are give to merchants who ship worldwide or that are accessible. So these women can earn Bitcoin for what they're doing from businesses. And this woman actually ended up buying a laptop, which is incredible to me, to continue her business and her earning of money. But then she could get an Amazon gift card even or, or gift cards to other very accessible international companies. So it's so widespread now that it's actually not just being used by many people, but it's being used by the people who would otherwise have been unbanked or marginalized by the old system of economics and currency. Right. And it's it's really important to, you know, make that distinction. Like it's not just a an idea anymore. It's really being used now to actually buy things. And the trouble and like these are real companies like Microsoft, Subway, Overstock.com accepts it. Companies like Bloomberg.com accepts it for subscriptions. Intuit accepts it. There's a, this company Braintree. Uh, there's lots of Badu is an online dating network accepts it. And as you said, you can also buy gift cards for like Whole Foods. Or you could go to my to a local bodega that we have around here that has a Bitcoin machine. So do, you could use Bitcoin ATM or do they yeah, have like, like Bitcoin a Bitcoin ATM sort of deal? Well, so Bitcoin ATMs, what they actually do is they take your U.S. dollars and they give you Bitcoin. You can't actually take out money. You can't take out U.S. dollars from those ATMs. Yeah. So it's only a deposit machine. It's not a withdrawal machine, which is interesting, isn't that? It's like, wait yeah. a minute. <laughs> and and I, I don't deny that there are definitely good, there are definitely benefits to cryptocurrencies, but there are dangers too. And I, I, I don't want to be, you know, the negative Nancy here. I just want to make sure that we're not all sunny, ro- sun and roses when there are real dangers out there that are associated with it. And yes, I mentioned crime as one of them. That's it's as a medium. If it's going to make easy easier to get away with crime, people will use it. That's absolutely true. Um, and yes, you can technically find people, but finding them through Bitcoin is much more difficult than, you know, a marked dollar bill or something like that. That can be tracked. There are also other potential dangers. For example, Bitcoin, its value fluctuates a lot. 
So right. if you don't have a lot of money and it's in Bitcoin, your finances are very unstable, especially at the moment. Right. Uh, and this is how I would, I would imagine most currencies are when they first come out. I'm not sure if I that's true. I do not agree. And the reason for that is that a lot of currencies nowadays have a central bank that helps control the actual value of the money. So and there are different ways that governments can do this. They can peg currencies to other currencies to ensure that they are less volatile. They can it, control the flow of how much money is produced to limit inflation or improve or increase inflation, if that's what they're looking for. There are different things that central banks can do, which Bitcoin does not have because Bitcoin is not, quote unquote, owned by anyone. People can own Bitcoins, but no one owns the, the concept of Bitcoin, just like the U.S. owns the dollar, right? So... If something were to happen and the value of Bitcoin were to shoot up like we saw over this this Christmas and then were to plummet immediately after people started investing in it or uh, ch changing all their dollars into Bitcoin, that would mean that would be a real financial hit to people. And there would be no recourse because the government can't do anything about that other than, I guess, buy Bitcoin at a higher price. Which, which, they, which they are, I think, working on, at least the financial you know, companies like the big banks are heavily investing their time and resources to get into Bitcoin, for example. But is that more as an investment vehicle or because they want to own the currency? Again, the a bank can't, I mean, you can produce Bitcoin through mining, but even so, it's not the same as monetary policy, not to the same scale. Right, but when you think of monetary policy, it makes sense in a world where you had money being created by the government, right? In this way, you can manage all the fluctuations and keep it steady and keep it as a usable and functional currency. Otherwise, no one would buy anything because they'd want to save it because tomorrow it's going to go up 200%, right? That's Which I think the... is what's happening right now, isn't it? Well, right now, it, it, it looks to be that way, yes. But I think this is kind of a thing where we'll look back on it many years from now and see that it was actually on a trend an exponential trend but there will be a time when i think we'll have cryptocurrencies potentially not bitcoin but cryptocurrencies that are able to be stable or there will be a way to financially transact value maybe not just a way to transact value with different people with different entities that is reliable and dependable and i think that this would be a good time to cut it to the commercial and we can discuss different cryptocurrencies and the idea a little bit more about bitcoin in the second half so please stay tuned thanks for listening to the first half just stay tuned this will be fun thanks remember back when we hauled chests of gold coins around to buy things and then we replaced all that with paper well now we're in the age of bitcoin where digital wallets are bloated do you have lots of friends who live off the grid and don't get how Bitcoin works, but you want a way to flaunt all your wealth? That's why we launched Paper Bitcoin Inc. We print a paper representation for every block so you can carry your Bitcoin value around with you. Now your friends who live off the grid will stop thinking you're broke. Buy Paper Bitcoin today, only a 90% processing fee. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoy that commercial and you're still interested in the conversation of Bitcoin today. So we were talking about what is a kind of a cryptocurrency and 
really, we're still trying to figure that all out. So um, one thing that we didn't talk about in the first half about Bitcoin is, you know, where do they come from? We mentioned mining a little bit, but what does what does mining actually mean? What does it do? So mining is a process where you have a bunch of computers basically running a single algorithm that tries to compute, tries to decrypt a block basically and a block is a, you list. Have a bunch of computers doing math and the math makes makes bitcoin i hate that explanation <laughs> yeah. you know what? what is math it's like oh what so that's what it is that's what hash is you know mining is basically a process where you have a bunch of computers computing a single algorithm basically to unlock a block and a block is basically Every single transactions that's happened in the last 10 minutes, every 10 minutes, new Bitcoins are created. And this is called a Bitcoin reward. It's a block reward. Usually you have a bunch of computers that are pooled together. So the resources are pooled. And though if a pool successfully this, unlocks and decrypts this block, they receive the actual Bitcoins. And the current reward for Bitcoins is 125 Bitcoin. So every 10 minutes, 12.5 Bitcoins is rewarded to the mining community. And what's interesting, actually, about the mining community is that over 50% of the miners are in China. Did you know that? That's something that actually does alarm me, and it makes me concerned about centralization. Well, what I'm talking about right now is basically a Wall Street Journal article that was published January 11th that says, China quietly orders closing of Bitcoin mining operations so china apparently is trying to shut down exchanges for trading the other thing in there is that it shows that it's 78.9 percent of mining is done by china so it's not 50 percent i said over 50 percent hold on i said over 50 percent yeah yeah that's true so i am fully accurate i mean okay so you raised an interesting issue you said you kind of subtly mentioned that you're concerned about centralization centralization yeah where where they're there's one country or maybe one person or one group or whatever it is that owns a majority of Bitcoin. I don't think I'm concerned about centralization in that way necessarily. I mean, I am concerned, but only the the traditional concern, which is there are certain small percentage of people who have most of the world's traditional currency. So this is something that just happens to currency, which is there are, tend to be a few powerful, and there you have it. But what's interesting about Bitcoin specifically, or cryptocurrencies specifically, is that you have this decentralized ledger. You have kind of the power of the people. You've taken away the mediator, which is the bank, and so you don't have these central banks. You don't have government-run banks. You literally have the people who are validating each other's transactions. And so there's this sense of decentralization that you get and that's what that has an appeal to many people because they've been burned by the banks or by their own governments. Even with Bitcoin, a governance is going to have to emerge and some researchers argue a governance is already emerging. And the reason this is happening is because with any type of currency, even if it is decentralized at the outset, there have to be some rules or protocols. There has to be some type of governance in place. And so you will see as time goes on that, again, so even if it's not a mediator emerging, there will be a governance emerging. So I, I don't see 
the decentralization argument for Bitcoin to hold very strongly because of that. There's also the move towards larger uh, organizations doing most of the the mining, and not just by countries, but also by companies and by groups of individuals that bond together to do the mining because it's not as worthwhile doing it on your own at this point because the returns are smaller. Uh, and that will continue to happen because the returns have every X number of years. And if you think about um, it, to mine Bitcoin, you need resources that you have bought with traditional currencies. You need the... Including electricity. Yes. The technological capability to mine the Bitcoin. So you have the people who are already in most economic power to be able to mine the most out of this currency. And so you're introducing the weaknesses of the, not the weaknesses, but you're introducing what people complain about in the old system. And you're introducing those complaint, those things that are worthy of complaint into the new system. And so there you have it. So not necessarily, I want to say something though. You can, you're saying that you have to buy your resource, buy all these equipments using traditional money that's not really true you can buy lots of mining rigs with bitcoin or a bunch of other cryptocurrencies at the moment at least maybe like five years ago that was maybe a little bit more difficult but now you can purchase this equipment you can probably purchase electricity with in some obscure places in the world with bitcoin i don't know where but you have to start out with something exists, but. right if you're if you have zero bitcoin you have to start out then with some currency that exists to get the resources to get the Bitcoin. there's It's very hard. I mean, you could offer services, could I guess. That be argued but... for any currency, though. I mean, any currency is right. built upon, you know, a government getting together and using some form of resource to build a mint, right? You need to build a national mint and you need to create the infrastructure for the delivery of this currency and the banknotes. And it, there needs to be some resource in place to establish a, a monetary uh, system. That said, I would say that a, one of the more interesting facets of cryptocurrencies is not the fact that Bitcoin exists. It's the fact that there are thousands of them. And right. which are now basically blocked off into like the big ones, which are Bitcoin, Ethereum, and I guess like Litecoin and a couple of others. And then there's what people like to call altcoins for, I guess, alternative coins. Well, technically, you can say Bitcoin is... It is Bitcoin, and then everything else is altcoin. That's the technical, original definition of altcoins, as far as I understand it. And you also have public and some private blockchains, maybe not necessarily cryptocurrencies, but you have these distributed ledgers that are used to uh, record transactions or interactions with different entities, really. And that entity could be people, between people, it could be between machine to machine, it could be between machine to a person so it's getting very interesting what's happening in the blockchain industry i think cryptocurrencies was the you know the the beachhead product the beachhead market for blockchain so bitcoin was the the beachhead um solution for people and it was solving an actual problem that people had which was being able to own their own financial assets and transact with whoever they want whenever they want uh, and not be limited by you know, regulations. Um, although I do think that as we move forward, Bitcoin and all, you know, the whole blockchain industry will get some form of regulation. Um, you can only be the Wild West for so long. Yeah. So right now it's basically the Wild West. People who've invested in Bitcoin when it first came out, pennies, dollars, 
those people right now, uh, if they were able to hold, because if you think about it, it's very, very difficult to trust Bitcoin, especially when, for example, in 2012, the price was, you know, straddling around $50. And I think this was a 2012 or so. And then it shot up to like $1,200 over a couple of weeks or a month or two. So you have huge gains. And at $1,200, people, you know, started to were buying. It was crazy. But then they started to panic. And then from 1200 it fell quickly into back into like the $100, $200 range. And it stayed there for about, uh, I would say, like three years until basically 2017. 2017 was a huge year for the entire industry. I don't know why. I think primarily because lots of, as you said, altcoins came out. There's a lot of ICOs where people were trying to raise money using. So an ICO is, stands for initial coin offering, similar to an IPO where a pump, a company would go public in order to raise money for their venture or their company. An ICO does the same thing, but they hand out coins or tokens to their investors. Uh, and this whole process at the moment is not really regulated the same way an IPO is regulated. IPO is a very understood process and there are lots of examples of IPOs in the past. So, you know, lawyers, accountants, and financial professionals understand what it takes to successfully go through an IPO. But an ICO is quite different. It's it's still new. So that's something to look out for and pay attention to in the future. Um, but I guess my point was, 2017 was a big year for Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And it will continue, I think, to go up and down as we're seeing. Volatility is crazy. We, we can go into another bear market. I think if we do go into a bear market, we should pay attention to what Luis said earlier about the next time the Bitcoin reward is halved. So it'll be cut in half. Right now, the Bitcoin reward, as I mentioned, is 12 and a half Bitcoins every 10 minutes. But in 2020, that's going to get reduced to 6.25 Bitcoins every 10 minutes. So that change is going to influence a lot of new people to want to get into it because it's going to be... You know, the supply is obviously going down, which is going to cause people to want Bitcoin more. So demand kind of will go up and hence the price will probably go up. All right, right. I'm going to ask you a question. Shoot. I am an average American. As average as you are. There's no such thing as average in America. I am an average American <laughs> and I only have dollars. Why should I use Bitcoin, other than to well, invest in. Technically, the average American, technically, Luis, the average American is actually in debt. So when you say you have U.S. dollars, can you be a little bit more specific? My The only currency I have is fiat currency, and it is U.S. dollars. Maybe okay, is it in your bank of... account, or is it like, is it, how is it? Because this whole idea of the way that we see money, I'm telling you, I th is going to be Yes, it's in a bank different. account, and I have some money under my mattress. Okay, I'm sorry for being difficult, but I think that <laughs> it's, an important, it's important to be clear. So at the moment, if you look at the chart of the value of a dollar and the value of Bitcoin, if you compare the two, I would much prefer to hold Bitcoin over the next 10 years than to hold U.S. dollars based on the last 
eight years. Why shouldn't I just invest in stocks then, which are more secure for the most part and less volatile? I could get a nice mutual fund. Maybe uh, I could invest it into an index fund and just leave the money there if I'm just going to be waiting 10 years. Because if you look at the returns on stocks, uh, I think they're much less desirable than the returns on investments. This is this. But is you two are still talking only... about investing, and the, exactly. my question sure. to understand, to truly understand the success of Bitcoin, I need to understand so why is, so certain about people usage. buy Bitcoin right. and sure. a, a, or, or, or mine it or obtain it in some way. And then choose right. to also spend it on gift right. cards or on objects you. and products yes. and services. Okay. So why are you. there why <laughs> what is the motivation for those people to deal purely in Bitcoin in their lives? Assuming you're living in a world where you can generally your banks are generally trustworthy. So that's a yeah. big assumption, Luis, first of all. And forget about trusting the banks. Let's say we do trust the banks and that's all fine and good. But also, I want to address what you said, Stephanie, because you said solely depends solely on using Bitcoin. Right now, that's not a good idea. I, I wouldn't say like we should only use Bitcoin. That's this is this thing is evolutionary. It will take a, some a lot of time to really be fully implemented in the way to a way where you don't need U.S. dollars anymore. We're still going to use U.S. dollars. We're still going to use gold. All these things are still valuable to a certain extent. And the price of Bitcoin right now is is really really high and, and scary. I would say. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a crash. I would be surprised if it goes less than like three or four thousand uh, dollars. It'd be a little surprising to me uh, just based on trends. So the question. Um, the question is, why do people use Bitcoin to buy products and services? So one use one use case, not necessarily to buy products, but one use case is that is really common. You, let's say you have relatives who live outside the United States. Let's say your your grandmother in the Philippines needs money because you know she lives in the Philippines over there. Maybe she doesn't have enough money to get by or something. And you're working or you go to school or something like that with inside the United States. You know you're you just graduated and you're in, you're in a job here with your family. So you want to basically send your family money. Overseas. Right now, the options are you can go through a bank to bank, which takes a few days and there are fees involved. You can alternatively use something like Western Union, who also charges kind of significant fees and uh, it may take a, a bit of time. You could just use Venmo. Or you, <laughs> you could Venmo well, no, someone you can, the money, Venmo right? Not, you may not be able to. No, you're not. Venmo is not international. Yeah. What is international though? Is it WeChat that uses a? So there's no like real international form like of sending Facebook? money. Facebook, you can send money via Facebook. Right, but they all go through proxies. You understand? Even if you have Facebook, yeah. then you have to have a bank account, and that bank account has to like approve being sent through Facebook. And then what? Two things that are going on there is Facebook knows exactly who you're sending to, what you're sending, and so does your bank account. And not right. only that, it's not immediate either. Uh, I'm not saying Bitcoin is immediate, and I'm not saying Bitcoin doesn't have fees. Bitcoin does have fees, and especially with this recent high demand, the fees have gone up actually. So some companies have stopped allowing people to buy stuff with Bitcoin because they were it was just too expensive. The fees were too expensive. Uh, let's say you wanted to buy a video game for fifteen dollars on Steam, um, you know, the the fee for doing that, you know, to buy with Bitcoin, I mean, 
the fee for doing it might have been like 20 bucks or something. I'm like making up numbers here, but that's the gist. And Steam actually stopped using uh, or accepting Bitcoin, but they're using other types of cryptocurrencies. The idea of Bitcoin as like a day-to-day currency, cryptocurrency to, to buy your groceries and stuff, that's very unlikely to happen. Bitcoin is at the moment based on current technology. It's not built for that right now. It's built for really just storing value over time because it is the most liquid asset. So you're saying it's an investment vehicle. It's really not a currency by the traditional. So then it's not a currency. Yeah. So So then I might as well just go with some more secure investment if I if I I'm risk averse because you can say the US dollar dollar is a currency and it could be a form of investment. People hold on to dollars and put it under the mattress. Would you say that's not a way to store value? I mean, I guess they're storing value and well, you're losing value. Well, that's fine. I didn't. No one said anything about gaining or losing. It's still. I mean, I guess. I mean, you're not storing it if you're losing it. Well, but people do that, right? They store cash in their bank accounts or they store it with paper money or they store gold. Gold can go up and it goes down. It's not like guaranteed to go up. Nothing's guaranteed to go up. But again, you're we're, we're way past the issue at hand, right? You're stating that cryptocurrencies are not currently a viable currency. No, that's not what I said. I said Bitcoin, not all cryptocurrencies. Okay. Like what do you think? Mm-hmm. is the future of cryptocurrency in that case well okay so it it really requires you to think very differently than the way we view money right now i think the whole idea of money was like an invention that we've created yes literally right. it is an invention is. right <laughs> and, and that invention has become so embedded in our day-to-day life in our society in our interactions with things in the world and people in the world that it's just like we we got used to it we just accept it that's the way it is however the future i don't think there's going to be this idea of money in the same way we're going to have something different we're going to have things that are valuable and then you can interact with other people to give them something that's valuable which can be a whole slew of things it could be your data it could be an activity It could be a song. It could be anything that you create. It could be something that you've been storing, like Bitcoin. Um, But it almost sounds, when you describe that, it almost sounds like you're saying, take away the representation that is currency and start doing the old-fashioned trading. Like, yes, you're mentioning things that are not old-fashioned, like data that's digital or music, audio files or whatever. But you're you're still... talking about digital bartering. But you're still talking about bartering and you're still talking about giving 12 eggs for the sack of flour. So, yes, and that didn't work, which that. is why currency was created. So you're saying, let's go back to that, but now with, with newer and yes. more modern items and somehow that's going to work. But I don't see how that will work because if I have a bunch of data and I need to get something from person, I'm person A and I need to get something from person B like food, but that person B doesn't need my data. Person C needs my data, but person C doesn't have food to give me. So you have this this crazy Hold network on. of trading that has to go on because you don't have currency. Right, right. So this crazy network of trading, for example, any cryptocurrency, right now, like Louis said, there's thousands. There's a website called coinmarketcap.com that lists 
many of the there's about 1400 cryptocurrencies that are being traded and they list like you know the prices and they show graphs and things like that so it's a really useful resource what's interesting is all of those coins all those tokens can be solvent and they could be traded for bitcoin or ethereum right now in most cases not all cases but in most cases that makes bitcoin the most reliable dependable currency at the moment the most stable it might seem like it's extremely volatile but it's going up and down like you know generally 10 15 percent on a day which is like uh, and that's like on a high can't that's they all be also be traded by dollars i feel like you so, need to be able to buy them as well right mm-hmm. so at the moment many altcoins are not accessible unless you have bitcoin or ethereum or some other cryptocurrency. So yeah, it's hard to get into it unless you have like a, a nest of the first movers, which are like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And there's many other ones. So Ethereum is different because it's not particularly about currency at all, actually. Like it's more about enabling smart contracts to uh, be executed autonomously. That's kind of like the idea behind Ethereum. And it's like very customizable. You can... For example, let's say you wanted to give your your um your give your child your estate when you pass and you have a will. How is it done now? For example, this is one application of blockchain. Right now you have a will, you write a deed, there's like lawyers involved potentially or I'm actually not sure, but there there is a process and contracts to do that and someone enforces it, right? And somehow the person gets their money, your son or daughter gets their money. At that point, with a smart contract, you can make that happen automatically. So when there is proof of your death, for example, uh, and that proof of death can be registered on a blockchain, in that case, at that moment or you know soon thereafter, you'll have that person, that person's estate or whatever the designated can get transferred into the wallet of the, the son or daughter automatically. So you have a smart contract will written out without the I so you're saying people will be able to escape estate tax no it's it's i mean you can regulate that as well i mean taxes are a different issue completely i think that if you are a citizen of your country you should be paying your taxes that's part of being a citizen okay so you're, you're talking more about cutting out middlemen is what you're yes saying. cutting out middlemen not only that like making the process more efficient when middlemen were introduced into the economic world, they were actually introduced to give market efficiency. Think about the Medici family and how they basically established banking and provided themselves as the mediators so that when you have a lot of people who need money and people who have a lot of money that could be used while they're not using it, they match them in such a way that creates a market efficiency by being a mediator. Now you're saying in this new model of cryptocurrencies, you're actually now taking the mediator out to create the market efficiency, which is fascinating to me. And I think that's where the future of cryptocurrency is going. It's not even related to currency. I think the first stage is currency because it was the, it's the easiest way to kind of let people get in just a little bit and experience whether or not this is a trustworthy system and exchange very small amounts of value because a contract is a, usually a, a large amount of value or it has, has a lot of weight to it in somebody's life. But a dollar or a hundred dollars could be potentially 
enough of a risk for somebody to take to try something out. But I don't think the future is necessarily the currency. The currency itself could even stay how it is, just kind of at the skepticism phase for most people. But the future is the blockchain technology that makes that up and how it will become a, like you said, not just smart contracts, but a relational experience that is necessary to create efficiencies throughout the human experience. I agree. I think that um, blockchain is an interesting technology. And although I see its applications within the currency world as being a little bit overhyped, as you will. I mean, the fact that uh, Ray here is a a big fan of the blockchain technology. He's a big fan of crypto. And even he said, you know, it's probably not going to be for a little while before for for this to have any place in day-to-day life. Right. In terms and of I- cryptocurrencies. But blockchain could definitely be actionable on a much smaller timescale, I think. And there is definitely changes that, that, that I could implement with changing healthcare, changing the way we share, we share technology data about each other, the ways we interact with our devices, and ways to secure homes. There are definitely a lot of things that blockchain technology can enable. And whether cryptocurrency will be part of that future, that's still left to be known. Yeah, you make a good good point, Luis. Like, it's uncertain what the future will hold. I am sure that blockchain has a future in our society. It's going to impact us in many ways that we probably can't even foresee right now. Um, and um, it's really exciting to talk about as well as think about. And I think that there's a lot of interesting projects going on right now. Just really glad that we had the opportunity to chat about it. It's been a fun conversation. Thank you all for listening. And again, I would like to remind all of you to sign up, register for some sort of Bitcoin wallet and just see how it feels. You guys are awesome. Amazing piffles. Stay subscribed and stay listening to our beautiful podcast. And as always, stay crazy. crazy.